Hi, I'm Annika Zitto. And I'm Bella Burkhardt. And you're listening to Spilling the Tea with CCE. We're so glad that you decided to click on our podcast, and we promise you won't be disappointed. Located in Hempstead, New York, Hofstra's Center for Civic Engagement is committed to getting student voices heard right now. And that mission doesn't stop on Long Island. We want this podcast to continue the conversations we've been having on campus. Each episode features our student fellows as they spill the tea on everything from news and politics to social movements and the issues that affect our day-to-day lives. From healthcare to mental health, nothing is off the table. So sit back, relax, and let's start spilling the tea. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Alexis Hughes. Uh, with me, I have Shaniqua Levin, who is CEO and founder of Women's Diversity Network, an organization which connects and mobilizes women of different backgrounds to create positive change through collective work and the unified sisterhood. So like I mentioned earlier with this podcast, the goal is to shed a light on the feelings of our Black peers and other members of the Black community by providing a platform to get a glimpse into what the Black community is going through right now during this pivotal and volatile time in history on sort of a more interpersonal level. So thank you so much for joining me this afternoon, Shaniqua. No problem. Awesome. Um, So my first question is, how have you been dealing with the riots and the protests as well as the recent deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. And in general, how have you just been dealing with the current state of the nation for the past, you know, two, three months? Well, um, it's just fueled me into wanting to take action Mm -hmm. um, and wanting to make sure that action wasn't superficial, that Mm -hmm. we had concrete plans to transform the way policing is done because Mm -hmm. time and time again throughout the years we're constantly seeing black people beaten by the police or killed by the police and Mm -hmm. even when we have it on video sometimes there's no repercussion yeah that's wrong it was just our fight so seeing all of this happen again and seeing people unify and come together has been um, helpful, I think, in really elevating necessary changes that are needed. So for me, it's just like, okay, made me think about my platform and my work, and what could I do personally to help create long-lasting change? Yeah, definitely. Have you developed any specific coping mechanisms? Um, for example, we've had people who have you know, deleted social media off of their phones. They don't engage in, you know, videos of police brutality, things like that. I have not. I've been bad at self-care right now. I'll be honest. Um, I've I've used it to actually get more involved. So I'll go to a protest or, you know, something like that when it's getting annoying of everything that's going on even more than annoying um I would say when it's it's frustrating and and I'm feeling helpless I'll Mm -hmm. go and actually take actions I do and should be doing more self-care though um and just taking time out for myself because it's draining it's a lot of work it's 
the change isn't going to happen overnight. You know, a Zoom call isn't going to solve it, as someone said today. It's a lot of stuff that we have to go through and deal with, but we have to do it. We have to keep up the fight. So, um, you know, a lot of the things that I used to do for self-care aren't open anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Also, actually, I do get a little break. My reality TV shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a that's big uh, 90 Day Fiance fan. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good those one. Those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, all those things help me just, like, zone out. And, like, their life is crazy. So my reality TV helps. <laughs> yeah. And, like, keeping in line with that question, you mentioned, you know, not cutting out enough time for self-care and self-care in the black community I mean that's been like a struggle since the beginning so how do you Mm -hmm. think that black people can make sure that they give themselves enough time for self-care and you know make sure that they're not always emotionally draining themselves by all these things that are it's hard, you know, when you're a mother, you're constantly thinking about things you have to do for your kids. When you're mm-hmm. a wife, it's like, how do I, you know, have a happy marriage? And you're doing things so that you and your partner can be good. And mm-hmm. then when you're an employee, like, okay, I have to, you know, make sure employment is successful, right? Yeah. My employer is successful. And then if you're a child, you're checking on your parents and being a good child. so it's really hard sometimes and then if you have kids in school you're doing class mom you're doing this you're making sure your kids are being educated like you're you're constantly on and I think what we don't do is prioritize ourselves Mm -hmm. and I'm one that has always been really good at self-care and made sure that I did prioritize myself um even if it's just getting together with friends, you know, which we've been trying to do and being mindful of, you know, the pandemic that we're in. And, but sometimes, you know, you just need to get together with friends or you need to have like a text buddy that you can vent to. I have a friend that like I could call her and just scream and just tell her I hate everything, everybody. And she knows like, I really don't, but I do in that moment. And yeah. she, you know, lets me be myself. I think you, I think you need that bitch buddy, you know, um, those little things are helpful. And I think we just really have to prioritize ourselves because black women, as we know, um, are being weathered, you know, we're being weathered. Uh, our birth and maternal mortality rates yeah. are, um, are really high <laughs> compared to other groups, you know, where, we're constantly being stressed. You have a person here, that person there, this person to everyone, carry the weight of our race on mm-hmm. our shoulders when we enter a room. So it's a lot yeah. that's put on our shoulders. And I think we just need to really understand that we are important and find a way to carve out time for yourself. Even mm-hmm. if it means like the kids are running around all night long and you're just in your room reading a book and not caring. Like, it's okay to do that every now and then for yourself. Things don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect, you know. And if you're parenting, um, well, you guys are in college. You don't have to worry about this part, hopefully. Um, But for those that are parents, you know, letting 
dads do more and not having to micromanage it. Mm-hmm. You know, kid will go to school with crazy hair and it's okay. The teacher will know <laughs> that it was not mommy's day. You know? Yeah. Um, and for you all that are college students going through, through this, you know, uh, video games can be an outlet. I know for my son, he's like, you know, don't take my video games away because I need to relieve my stress. You know, um, yeah. writing, writing, journaling, mm-hmm. journaling your experience out. Sometimes I find it helpful just to get it on paper yeah. what I'm going through. And right. And so journaling is, is important. Um, going, doing something physical, going mm-hmm. for a run when marijuana becomes legal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, if you got a prescription, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, certain things that are that are stress relievers that you know we need to do for ourselves. But like, get your endorphins going, and mm-hmm. gives you that good feeling, and gives you yeah. some kind of relief. So we just have to prioritize ourselves. Even if you got to wake up a little bit earlier to do so, we have to remember that the vessel that we are. In and the vessel that we're using to do the work we're doing is important too. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think we really do have to prioritize ourselves as a community because I think even just engaging in radical self-care, that's already a form of protest. And I think if, you know, if we do that, we're just, it's just going to, everything is just going to fall more into place. That's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is not a question that I had on my list, but I'm just curious. Um, recently, well, I What's recently deleted all my mm-hmm. social media because every time I got onto it, I would just like see videos of police brutality or videos of like sexual assault, like things like that, and I didn't like it. So, how do you feel about people retweeting and sharing those kinds of like violent videos? Do you think that it helps? the movement or is it hurting our community more than it's like meant to bring awareness? You know, I know a lot of people are saying I don't want to be re-traumatized, right? So I get that. So I think that for some of these videos, we should put a warning, a warning on the video so people can determine for themselves whether Mm -hmm. or not they want to watch it. Because there are people that are like, gosh, I know this is happening and I don't want to see it every day. And then there are those of us that are like, dang, this happened again. Let me go take action again. Mm -hmm. So for some of us, it also fuels us and ignites us to step up and not be silent anymore. Because Mm -hmm. so many people are silent and have been for way too long. What is it going to take to wake them up? And sometimes seeing these videos are the catalyst that gets them to step up, join a movement, make a call to a lawmaker about these issues. So I think mm-hmm. it's needed, but I do understand how it can re-traumatize people. Because after I watch it, I'm just like, you know, I feel a little down. I'm like, dang, another Black person, another hashtag, another name. Mm-hmm. And you get depressed and you feel some kind of way. And not all of us are able to turn that into action like I am mm-hmm. and let that fuel me to go do something about it. You know, some people and their life, they, they aren't able to go do that too. In that moment, they may have other life things going on. So I do think like having a warning on the video yeah. so people can choose whether or not they want to click and open and see it. It's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. 
So my last question is, I mean, the entire goal of us protesting right now is to see some, some sort of physical change in the way the government is set up, in the way, you know, institutions are set up and whatnot. So how do you think, how, how do we physically translate that change into those various institutions? Like what particular steps would help ensure that institutional racism and systemic racism is eradicated? Unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever be eradicated. Um, every day a racist is born because of society and the family, yeah. you know? Also, sometimes people have negative encounters and then they group a whole body of people that way. Mm -hmm. So because of those reasons, I don't think we'll ever really eradicate it. But what we can do is minimize it in our system, right? Mm -hmm. And minimize it in our communities. So that way it's less of an experience we have and it's less of a detrimental experience we have. One of the things that I'm doing is I'm the co-founder of the Long Island Black Alliance. And through the Long Island Black Alliance, we created a coalition of over 30-something groups that have hundreds of members, and we've invited the public to come out and be a part of it also, the public community members. And we've taken other things. The police are of public safety. They don't need to be. Like, why are we paying a police officer to be a crossing guard? Why are we paying a police officer to direct traffic? There's mm -hmm. things like that that we don't need to have that we can take out, put it in a, the correct you know, department and mm -hmm. use that funding to better our communities with. Mm -hmm. But in order to really see transformation like that, we can't just leave it up to our elected officials to go in a room and say, let's transform the police. They need to intentionally mm -hmm. work with community leaders and the community at large to really um, see what we want and how we can make it feasible mm -hmm and still keep it safe for everyone. And until mm -hmm. real conversations are had like that, we're not gonna experience real change. The governor has put mm -hmm. down a mandate for a police department to come up with some type of transformation within their department. And he's put down several different criteria. So mm -hmm. if the police just go and try to police themselves, it's not going to work. We're not going to get anything real. So mm -hmm. they really need to work with community members and groups like the coalition that we've started um, through the Long Island Black Alliance mm -hmm. to actually go out there and work with us. That way we can create real change. And I think that's one of the ways we began all over our country, different municipalities have started creating that change. I believe in California, in one of their counties, they've already start have um, police officers not responsible for giving out traffic tickets anymore. So mm -hmm. there's ways that things that can be done that we have less armed officers dealing mm -hmm. with issues of public safety. I think they have gotten so many things thrown onto them that they're not prepared to deal with. They're yeah. not prepared really to deal with mental health issues, yeah, you know, definitely. but yet they're given that, you know, rape victim doesn't necessarily want to be interrogated by the police right away. Why isn't it like, you know, someone who's trained to do it, that's a social worker that gets all aspects yeah. of those kind of things. There's mm -hmm. another way we can look at policing. Policing was created from uh, slave catchers mm -hmm. and the system has been slightly changed throughout the years 
and the fact that they've added more responsibilities onto them. And yeah. it's time now that we take a look at the system that we created and decide what can we be doing differently and what's mm -hmm. more effective in, the, in today's times. Yeah, definitely. That's the end of the questions I have for you. Uh, if you have anything else that you want to say? Anything? I would just say, even as students, you can be a part of the coalition that we're forming. All you have to do is go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash L-I Black Alliance and sign up because we're going to need to continue putting pressure. Because I don't think these, these uh, county execs and police departments are going to really want to give up how much we're asking them to give up to make us safer. Yeah. And I think we're going to really need to continue taking the streets, do sit-ins, do lots of things. And we're going to need the people. Definitely. So, yeah. Thank you so much for taking this You're time. so welcome. That concludes this episode of Spilling the Tea with CCE. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to connect with us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hofstra CCE, or visit our website at hofstra.edu slash CCE. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, be sure to tweet us with the hashtag CCET. That's hashtag C-C-E-T-E-A. The music you've heard this episode was written and composed by Ethan Tauber. Fun fact, it even includes the chord progression C, C, and E. We can't wait for you to join us again on our next episode. Thanks for spilling the tea with CCE.